Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. I am JT. Hey guys, I'm Joey. And today we are talking about our biggest BJJ mistakes. So these occur on all kinds of levels. Nutrition, technique, lifestyle choice, like all kinds of things that occur in the realm of jiu-jitsu, which just completely stuff you up. And maybe some of them are avoidable. Maybe you can learn from these mistakes. We didn't get it right all the way along. Actually, be safe to say we got a lot wrong, learned from that, and now are doing better subsequently. But some of these mistakes, they take years to overcome because no one tells you you're doing it wrong. You're just thinking, oh, this is hard. Mm. You just keep grinding away. Yeah. So uh, we each have different experiences relevant to that, Joe. But what I thought we might talk about first, because I have one which is notable. Uh, It was something that worked in a different situation and I tried to apply it to jujitsu and it just didn't work. Right. It stuffed me up quite badly. And that is a nutrition fail. Do you have anything in this realm? Yeah, thinking about it, when I first started jiu-jitsu, I was really obsessed with making my own muesli. Okay. And that, I, oh, it's that eat to win in you, isn't it? It was the eat to I mean, it's always been a part of me. You know? <laughs> eat to win. I, I, would, I would go to this shop that was in Chinatown. That saw, This guy was like a Middle Eastern dude. He would sell like all the different styles of oats and fucking soy grits and psyllium wow. and all these, you know, things. And nice. I'd buy bulk and then I'd mix it. And oh. anyway- this is probably the first It's all going to be in the uh, Eat to Win cookbook. That's right. You guys will be able to get the recipe. You'll be yeah. able to get your hands on it. You'll be able to fuck up just like I did. <laughs> um, and it was great. I would mix all this shit up and then I would have it and I would put yogurt and honey and nice. you know, put fruit. It was, it was a very- Sounds delicious. It's delicious. It was healthy. You know, it was jam-packed full of fiber, let me tell you. <laughs> um, I would pour all of this dry stuff into a bowl. I'd put some of the, you know, the yogurt and the honey, which, yeah, has a bit of moisture to it. And then I'd put some, uh, I don't know what, I think I'd just put milk, maybe some, yeah, I'd, I'd just use regular milk, whatever. And I would smash this enormous bowl of it. Enormous oh. bowl. Wow. And then like 30 minutes later, I'd get my shit and I'd go to jiu-jitsu, which was just, a, you know, up the street. That's a full and stomach. When here's the thing. So the, the first mistake was I was eating this big load, like of food before training. But the second thing was is that, and I didn't understand this for a long time, when you eat dehydrated foods, your body needs to hydrate it for, in order for you to digest it. Yes, sir. So if you go and eat, so this is why like say uh, if you cook your oats and make a porridge, it's quite handy because you're taking a dried food, you're hydrating it in water and then you're eating it. It's, it's, it's much easier for the body to, to process. Mm. I was just basically taking this bowl full of fucking dried grass and shit and <laughs> – putting some moisture, like a little bit of moisture in it and then smashing it. And then 30 minutes later when I'm on the mats, it's just sucking all the moisture out of my gut. And I'm just like, ooh. Like, I mean, I was in my mid-20s, so I I, I didn't even notice really. But looking back, I'm like, why did I do that for so long? (laughs) I persisted. I'm like, I got it. And it was because I was really sold on the idea of, no, this muesli is so healthy for me. Yeah. It's so good right now. Like, (laughs) I got to have it. Yeah. Um, I probably should have like soaked it the night before, i.e. Bertram Muesli for those out there. Sure. Or just drunk a gallon of water at the same time. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) 
but I would say that was a fuck up, that I, a mistake that I ran with for a long time because I was married to the idea of the muesli. Man, it actually, I'm not sure because I, I don't want to get this wrong here. I believe it's a torture technique in either China or Japan where they feed you dry rice. Oh my God. And they just fill you full of it until it, kill, and it, it sucks just, all the water out of you and it kills you. Oh my God. Because you can't process it. Bro, that's fucked. It's terrible. It sounds like that you were- I like, survived. You did. <laughs> oh my God, you're so prepared for your prisoner of war situation. Man, that's, yeah. I, and it's one of those things too, right? You get, a, not obsessed, but you, you believe something to be good in, in a certain context. And it was, clearly. Nutritionally, it sounds amazing. Sounds delicious. Sounds like ticking a lot of boxes. But in that jujitsu context, like just before training, probably not the best choice. That's right. And yeah, so it's a mistake in one way. It's not. It's not a total. It's. Not, know, it's it not like oh, you would never do it, but just not just before training. And yeah. Maybe a few tweaks, like the Bircher tweak or whatever. It could be. Yeah. It would be a bit easier. Man, mine is much more catastrophic than that. <laughs> way worse. So there was a critical point. Uh, in my career uh, doing PT, the the head of PT, like the PT manager was a hardcore Charles Poliquin guy. and Personal training we're talking p- about. Personal here. training, yeah. Yep. And nothing to do with jiu-jitsu. I, I'd been doing taekwondo. And I've just started to – just started jiu-jitsu, like not even the first six months. And what I had done previously was taking a, a ton of amino acids to get rid of muscle soreness. And Charles Poliquin had these – box of like big containers of capsules and they're meant to be the best amino acids going around whatever they cost way too much money. poliquin for those who don't know is one of the stalwarts of the strength realm Realm. he's he's no longer with us but he's one of the guys kind of one of the godfathers of strength training in the in this modern time and nutrition as well yeah yeah that's right he helped a lot of bodybuilders helped a lot of top athletes olympians so had a line of supplements and had some very good training methodologies. Yeah, very good. And to this day, like he's training still guys who trained under him are the now current kind of kings of the game. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was really sold on this idea because the the method was train weight training twice a day, but take an absolute ton of these things. Now, obviously he's pushing product, but I, I tried it out. I was like, I'll try it. And it worked. Like I was taking – like 20 capsules before the weightlifting session, 20 capsules after. 20 capsules. 20. Now, I have a very good tolerance for uh, branch chain amino acids, BCAAs. Right. You may have seen it advertised on various products or as a supplement. Now, not everyone has a good tolerance. As far as weight training goes, like resting, I'm not doing anything, anaerobic, I'm not going like sprints, I'm not, you know, I'm not wrestling, I'm not running. It's fine if you're just in the gym lifting weights walking around. Now, I had started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I was like, yeah, I wonder if, if I take heaps of branched-chain amino acids and do jiu-jitsu, I wonder how that's going to work. Except this time I'd taken, uh, I don't know if it was the supplement or not, I was taking a powder because I was like, oh, I'll just chuck it in a, you know, I'll get a big liter thing of water, just chuck heaps of, you know, five or ten grams in there, which is a big concentration. Save on the gel caps. Yeah, it's way cheaper. So what I did was I downed a liter, which is like like five to 10 grams before. And I was like, well, I'll have it during because obviously I don't want to get my muscles too sore. And I was drinking it between rounds on rolling and I got acute stomach cramps, like the worst. Like that day or yeah, you were, no, do, you no, were doing no, no, this no. over a prolonged period? No, that day. Oh, wow. Like just, just guts just seized up. I couldn't even sit up. I couldn't move. Just guts going in the spasm. And I just had to kind of lie in the corner in fetal position 
And then I was like, I'm so thirsty though. And the only thing I had was the amino acids. <laughs> so I just kind of, <laughs> and then eventually like it really hit me and I had to go to the toilet bad, like explosive diarrhea. Oh, like, shit. oh the worst. Ran to the bathroom. And at that time I'm training at Peter DeBean's. There was only one male toilet. Right. And <laughs> I just occupied that thing. Like everyone else is just going to have to go anywhere else. Like you're not coming in. It took me out. I was bad for the rest of the day. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, guys. Like you get a calf cramp, you're rolling. Then, you know, you stretch it out, whatever. But then your calf is sore residually for days. I wasn't right for days because I had such intense abdominal cramps. My abs hurt for <laughs> days and days. I couldn't go back to training. I was like, God damn, amino acids. Just not working for jujitsu. <laughs> now, obviously, you don't have to do it the way I did it. You know, aminos have been shown to be beneficial for recovery. Why did you go so extreme? Joe. <laughs> <laughs> how could no, you not? How could I not? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because the study that I'd read said you had to have very large amounts to get this benefit of really getting rid of uh, muscle soreness. Right. Uh, yeah. Could I have done it a bit less? Sure. But I think upon reflection, I have played with it since. I find, yeah, maybe having one gram or two grams of aminos after training, sure. But the pre, during, post, it's don't go there. <laughs> it's not worth it, ladies and gentlemen. Just let me share it with you. Now, I thought we'd move more to BJJ technique or something that you were like really fixed on that you were convinced would work and maybe it didn't and maybe put your game backwards. Yeah. You got something like that? Yeah, um, not so much that I I didn't think about it. It was just a mistake I made for a long time. I used to close triangles. I used to just think that a triangle was you 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 know you wrap the head and the arm with your leg and then you close your your other leg over your foot. Yep, and it's done. Yeah, you know, and you squeeze the shit out of it. Sure. And um, I think it worked for a little while, right? Yeah. You know, you catch someone off guard and they don't really know how to defend a triangle and. And then at a point, I remember my gym, people started defending triangles quite well and I was hurting my knee all the time. Mm. And I was like, man, triangles are fucked for the knees. Yeah. And I just stopped doing triangles. Right. It wasn't until many years later when I was actually doing some, uh, like some strength training with a group of people. I was running a retreat. My partner was there, Misa. And we were talking, I was, we were doing something with the knees and I was talking about how that triangle position oh no i was showing a have you ever seen that squat i think it's called a tabletop squat where you place your foot on top of your knee yeah sure from standing and then you squat down down, yeah talking about that and and my partner misa she offered up oh i learned in yoga that when you uh when you go into that position if you keep your foot flexed so if you pull your your toes towards your knee flexion yeah it actually stabilizes the knee when you're in that position and i tried i'm like it really does and then i was like Maybe this can apply to a jujitsu triangle as well. <laughs> Imagine, right, right. And so, uh, what I realized that all those years, I just would wrap my leg and then I just close the triangle over my toes. Right. You yeah. know, because you, you're just trying to close it any way you course. can, right? Just fucking close the thing and squeeze. Make it happen. Someone starts defending, you get all this pressure on your knee. Yeah. I, my knees took so much damage from it cumulatively over the years. Yes. So, I, I came to realize wow, actually closing it over the ankle is a lot more effective. But also squeezing your knees together 
So yes. not allowing your knee to flare out when you're in a triangle, but squeezing them together. And I'm like, that I didn't even know that. Right. It was yeah. – because that's not a triangle. Like yeah. if you think of the triangle shape, it's like knee flared out. That's right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, for sure. So just as a thing to realize, and I think it was only at Brown Bell, I was like, oh, holy shit, there you go. And so, I mean, I'm, you know, I got short legs. You know what it's like. I know. Triangle's not triangles, the easiest. Yeah, they're not huge for me, but yeah. they're a lot better now. Definitely. <laughs> Man, it, it's funny how you just come to it. And for me, actually, my, my story relates to actually being a blue belt. Similar situation, triangle, but I did myself a mischief. Uh, it was actually against Big George from Gracie Sydney, now Gracie Parramatta. Ah, yes. Right. George. It was the first ever Abu Dhabi trials, like Abu Dhabi pro trials right and we're at this tiny little basketball stadium somewhere on the north shore and george and i against each other first and i was a blue belt i think he was a purple belt doesn't matter he was passing me with an arm in like he basically i he was in a triangle but here's the thing he's a thick human he's a broad shouldered thick body human and i could see my foot like i could i could see my foot like just like that and I could, I was like, if I can get my leg across, I can triangle this guy. Like if only, but he had all his weight down on my leg. Like I couldn't, there's no way I could get my leg through. Right. So my the leg, other leg, the one leg that would close like the this. triangle. Yes. Yeah, so or the like, one that you were, or the one that was wrapping around the neck. Yeah. Right. And his arms here. And I'm like, I just grab my foot and I'm like, if I can just pull this across, I'll pull my leg through, except my leg didn't move. And I'm just yanking on my own ankle. <laughs> like, I'm like, if I triangle this guy, I'm going to Abu Dhabi, which wasn't true. But I'm pulling on my ankle and my ankle just went snap, snap. Oh. And I just basically like toehold myself. <laughs> and then my ankle just went to like, just lax. Oh. And I was like, oh. And I couldn't triangle and then he just passed <laughs> my guard and he won. <laughs> oh, shit. But I was like, why did I do that? And afterwards, like, my partner Tom was like, what, what happened there? I was like, I basically broke my own ankle. <laughs> like I just tore ligaments in my own ankle, footlocked myself. Because, and this is something relating back to that foot position thing, a lot of the times when people are putting on a triangle, they'll grab their foot to pull the triangle on, yeah. right? But then this is just something I learned later, probably not, not even until I was purple belt, to grab the shin. To like, yeah. you know, dorsiflex the foot, grab the shin yeah. and try and lock over the, the shin. Now, obviously it's a lot easier if you've got real long shin bones. You got short shin bones. There's not much to work with. <laughs> That's right. So, man, sometimes you grab what you can. Yeah, you just but you, you got to know that you might have to cop like some. You might cop an injury, or you, you got to know that you're not doing it the best way. That's right. It's not the most efficient technique. Yeah. And then after that, because I hurt my own ankle, I was like, I got to fix this. I don't know what I'm doing. So then I I dug in a bit deeper about how to kind of do a triangle properly, and it just it just took a while. Right, and you you don't know what you don't know, and I'm sure we've all had that experience in jujitsu where someone shows us something. You're like, "Dang, why didn't I know this like two years ago?" <laughs> like, yeah, you know, because you've been doing it, you've been battling on, you've just been doing the best you can, and then someone shows you the the, the correct way or the, the the easier way, and you're like, "Man, I wish I knew better." And and we've all seen it, right? You see, you see somebody just struggling, like just giving it a hundred percent, but doing it completely incorrectly. Yeah. You know, I, I guess I see it a lot more with my students, and then I have to jump in and, and give them feedback and say, "Hey, don't repeat your mistakes." And I guess what I, the extension of this chat, really, guys, is 
don't repeat our mistakes. <laughs> please, <laughs> please save yourself that time. And then, or maybe you want to, you know, walk the path. Maybe, maybe. the Joey and JT path. You're you like, want to? No, I want to make that. I want to feel that. Yeah, I'm going to go to Brazil, get that cheese bread. <laughs> I'm going to close the triangles wrong. <laughs> Live a life, yeah. right? Yeah, character building, scar tissue building. <laughs> um, but now I, I think we can go to something which is probably more, eh, not so much a technique, but maybe uh, a mistake which you might be making, which we have made, which you could probably save yourself the trouble, uh, which is maybe a little bit more general but jiu-jitsu related. Yeah. And for you, Joe, what would that be? Um, I I had this really poor habit from, I would say, up until I started training with Adam Childs uh, because, and I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but I was very kind of, I didn't really have a lot of coaching in my jiu-jitsu from like- oh, you're the natural. Late, right? Any coach would be intimidated to give you advice. That's right. I mean, what can they tell me that I don't really know? Exactly. You know? Um, <laughs> you know? Um, from like blue, like late blue belt, you know, and, and this was because at the time when I was going from blue up to brown, I would say that my coach at the time wasn't really super committed and just wasn't wasn't looking closely and that kind of wasn't thing. Wasn't paying attention to your game. Exactly. Same. But I was also responsible because I wasn't paying attention to my game. Sure. You know, so it goes both ways. I had this habit of when I would start a role, I would just let my training partner initiate whatever they wanted to f- before I started to really resist. Yep. So say we're rolling and, you know, like you're on your back and I'm step- – I would just step into your guard and you would go, boom, De La Hiva, groups, And then the you thing. would go, yep, I'll take that sleeve. I'll take that. And then I'd go, all right, now I'm fighting. <laughs> and I would do this, you know, and, and it would work, I guess, against people who were smaller or weaker or, you know, not, not as good as me at the time. But I, I know, like I look back at my key training partners at that time and I'm like, Bean would fuck me up every single role. He wow. would sweep me and yeah. come on top mm-hmm. and then I would be fighting for my life to get out of it. And I would mm-hmm. always think, man, the roles with him are so tough. Right. And then I, training with Dave, I would pull guard on him and I would do the same thing. I would just lie on my back. And kind of let him take yeah, groups. And then, and- rather than like staying seated, yes. keeping my, my knees close, like yeah, right. actually having uh, some integrity to the guard, you know. Right. And it wasn't until like training with Adam where he's like, man, as soon as we slap hands, it's fucking on. And if I've got the two grips that I want or even one grip and my guard. You're probably going to lose. That's yeah. right. So yeah. he's like, you can't let that happen. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, I've been letting this happen (laughs) almost a decade. Wow. You know? Position of greatest disadvantage, hey? Yeah, and it was just a really silly habit. I I look back, I remember visiting an academy in San Diego. I don't remember the fella's name. Uh, It was was a guy somewhere out more in the suburbs of San Diego. He was a black belt. I was a purple belt. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to a lunchtime class because I was traveling and I was like, I'll go check this gym out today. And I, I went to a lunchtime class. And I think there was maybe just a couple of people there. And I had a roll with him. And I remember he, yeah, let's, you know, let's have a roll. And he initiated his guard and he swept me. And he was like, come on, man. He said to me, like, come on. What are you doing? And I, I was kind of offended, calling me out for not like being good enough or something. But looking, it didn't yeah. take me long to realize afterwards. I'm like, yeah, he saw my mistake and was like, you shouldn't be making this mistake. Yeah. I wasn't his student. So he's, he was like, I'm not going to fucking take the time to break it down for you. Sure. Come on, let's go. Like, it should be better. Man, I must have done that so often. Right. So, you know, I'm glad that now that I'm black belt, I don't make that mistake as often. <laughs> you, you know, but it took a while. 
Yeah, and that's the tough thing. And I always have to remind myself of this because I do, depending on what time of the day you catch me and obviously how much food I've eaten or how much caffeine I've had, I have more empathy and sometimes I have less empathy. And even for my white belt students, I expect that once I've shown them the right way to do it, that they practice it and they learn from their mistakes. Now, obviously, it's not exactly how it works because maybe they didn't communicate it clearly enough or they were tired, they didn't get it. The reason why I always want to push people to not repeat their mistakes is they just start to level up. And the thing is, you don't know what you don't know. You can't have a crack at somebody for not knowing. It's not that they're willfully being ignorant. That's right. You just don't know these things. So it's super important that we identify these mistakes. And it does help us if uh, we've got somebody who's checking in on us. And it's not always your coach, you know. Sometimes it's your your mate who started jujitsu at the same time. And they're like, hey, what's going on with you? I'm, I'm kicking your ass right now. Are you, What's going on? And then, you know, you check in on your friends because you don't want them to quit when they're blue belts or whatever it might be. I mean, we've mentioned this before. If I had have had the awareness, I think about my mate Bean, who was the, the strongest counterpart, in, you know, from blue to purple belt in the gym. We, all, we, all, we didn't want to roll with each other because it was too Whoa. intense. Yeah, we both, we'd almost avoid each other and be like, oh, you want to do what? Oh, love to, man. <laughs> oh, good training. And then it's like, just fucking worlds collide, you know? <laughs> but if I had have said to him, man, how do, you, how do you keep sweeping me? What are you doing? And then he would have said, oh, it's because you're letting me get my grips and establish my De La Hiva. I would have been like, it would have stopped there. Yeah. But I never asked that simple question. The feedback. Yeah, I never asked. So I, the, the blame is on me, but it's just interesting to think, that went on for years. Wow. You yeah. know, because it's simply because I just didn't have the thought to go, hey, man, can you tell me why that keeps working for you? Yeah. And I think that that's an important thing. And that's something that we try to do here at Jungle Brothers too is like give your training partner an opportunity to ask for feedback. But then also you have an opportunity to get feedback from them too. Oh, man, you did that quite well. Or, hey, the reason why that didn't work is X, Y, and Z. Yeah. If your partner knows enough to be able to tell you. Because sometimes your training partner doesn't know either. That's right. But, I mean, for me, my biggest mistake, which probably didn't change till probably Purple Belt, uh, and it was like the big change in me for Purple Belt before kind of becoming as good as I could be at Purple, before going up to Brown, was just hanging on in really bad spots – like from my guard just because like just being stacked one leg up here, that leg under here, my arm twisted behind my back and just eating it just because I could, because I was flexible enough. I could hack it. I didn't want to be soft. I was like, no, I can take this pressure and just hanging onto positions just to hang in there when actually what would have been way better is for me to accept that I was pretty much past. Not that I'd have to accept the past, but like, let them pass and then scramble and then go to something else. Yeah. As opposed to just absolutely just Copy getting my damage. Yeah. Face knee righted, discs bulged, arm twisted, just worse spots. And then at the time it was okay, full of adrenaline, warm as hell. After training, agony. Yeah. Like, oh, my knee, my neck. And then just the psychology of trying to work through it of like, don't want to seem like I'm a wuss or don't want to seem weak to my training partner. But then actually have, weakening myself. That's and right. And then being a cripple off the mat, not being able to do a whole lot. Yeah. But then bringing it for the training session because I want to be a pussy. And then just doing essentially dumb things, but just 
eating way more damage and pressure than I needed to in the name of keeping my guard. Don't let your guard get past. Like never, never, never. And actually what happened as a result of one of these, a guy at training, a world champion at many belts but never at black belt, he actually gouged my eye with his chin. So I was in half guard and I was just so determined. Mate, I didn't even know it was possible, right? Because I was like, what's the worst that can happen, right? I'm just hanging here in half guard. And he'd pretty much gone to like a knee through, knee cut. And I was on quarter guard. I was hanging on by the skin of my teeth, like just, you know, pinching my thighs around his ankle. He's pretty much passed, but he can't get his foot out. Yeah. Doing everything he can. It's all those years of thigh master, you know? Yeah. Just working those adductors. (laughs) And I'm just pinching and I'm just like, he won't pass. I can't let him pass. And I was just like attached to him. And he basically grabbed the back of my lapel and he took his chin, put it into my right eye socket and just gouged his chin <laughs> into my eye socket and started to pass. And he literally, I blinded me. He, my, my right eye actually sits about five mil further back in my head. He pushed my eye back in the socket. Dead set. No lie. Have a look. If I like lean back, my eye, my occipital cavity is pushed back. It just yeah, sits a bit further a little, in my like head, a, right? Yeah. So this, yeah, could you believe it, Joe? My face used to be more symmetrical. Holy shit. <laughs> You're yeah. like Michael Bisping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I can't pop the eye out of my head. <laughs> yeah, a fucked up eye, yeah. Hey, man, when he got double knocked out by Henderson, that was beautiful. That, that <laughs> hit after the knock. But, no, but the crazy thing was I didn't even know that that level of savagery was possible in jiu-jitsu. Right. And I had to open my guard, right? Like I was just – and I had this crazy burning sensation in my eye and I was actually blind in that eye for a week. I thought – I'm in Brazil. I can't see out my eye. Like, is this permanent? Wow. Eventually kind of vision came back, settled down. But that's the thing, guys. In the na- There's all this kind of bravado and stuff within jiu-jitsu, which is you've got to be tough. Don't let them pass your guard. Never tap. All this kind of whatever, nonsense. And just because I was told that you should not let people pass your guard and you should fight as hard as you can, I have damaged my body. And what I have realized now is that actually there's opportunities in kind of letting someone pass, but then suddenly switching or coming up to a, a takedown or scrambling. Yeah. It, present, it presents opportunity. So just holding on to something for grim death actually held my game back. Uh, at Blue and Purple, it, it really slowed me down. You can identify too like when you've been the, the hammer in that situation and it, maybe it's like some like savage young blue belt from the gym and you, you, you basically passed and you've got their body in a fucked up position but they're just, you know, they, they don't feel pain and they're just not tapping or they're, they're not letting you pass. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> and, but there's still this foot that's yeah. just fucking on your chest or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, all right, like I'm chilling. Yeah. And like, I'm literally watching the years in your life whittle Decrease. away right now. <laughs> like, a, like a death eater, the soul is just. Yeah. And you're like, fair enough. Okay. Maybe, I, maybe, okay. Well, it's fine. Like, let's go back to your clothes guard or whatever. Cause you get to a point sometimes that we're like, all right, this is just a bit silly now. This is a bit bad. But you know, when you've been the, the nail in that situation and you're like, I'm going to kind of impress my. I'm going to show how tough I am. You're like, yeah. well. Casca Grossa. Yeah. You're kind of just showing how stupid you are. Yeah. Because. Yeah, let them pass and live to fight another day mm. and, and do something else. Like don't – you don't have to cop all that damage. Yeah. You know, and also there's nothing necessarily cool about lying there on the mats contorted and being like <laughs> – Just you know, a whimpering mess. Yeah, someone's trying to pass. You can't – you know, there's yeah. no glory. You know, 
You can't talk about the glory days when you're like, yeah, man, I just hung in that quarter guard. I was there for five minutes. That's right. Couldn't pass, but then I gassed and he passed. But for five minutes, (laughs) I was in there with the best. No, look, this isn't Rocky. You know, like it's not like I did 12 rounds with the champ. No one's going to remember or care that you bulged three of your own discs because you didn't let the person pass and then you bulged your discs and then they passed. And then you've got bulge discs, right? Like it's it, it sometimes it, I feel, and this is like many things in life, we get really attached to an idea. We get really attached to, oh, it's my favorite technique. Or whatever it is, attachment in general holds us all back because there's so much more to find out when we end up in a chaotic situation where we don't have any control, we don't know what's going on, and maybe we discover something new that works really well. I actually heard something the other day, which is quite interesting. I don't know why it hits so hard. I've actually got it written down here. The saying was, a mistake may be the answer to another question. Mm. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And they were talking about the post-it note. This guy working at 3M had made this. He was trying to make like a really good adhesive and he stuffed it up. And this adhesive was so weak that you could attach something but then take it off and then it didn't mark the surface. And it's like, God, this adhesive is good for nothing. And then, you know, obviously 3M is a huge company. They logged this you know, temporary adhesive wasn't very good. And then this guy was actually, this particular guy was religious and he was trying to find a way to mark. He's got this really old holy Bible to leave his place marker in the Bible from where he was reading, but he wanted to be able to remove it without damaging the pages. Right on. And he had tried to come up with this idea, this product, and he had they had this catalogue of things and he went back to revisit this temporary adhesive, which then led to the post-it note, which is makes up for a third of 3M's revenue. Holy shit. Yeah, it is like one wow. of the – and that was a mistake that in a different context was very successful. Yeah. And often we get really scared of, I don't want to look bad. I don't want to make a mistake. And then maybe if that person passes your guard or maybe if that person goes for a submission, you find a new escape or you, you find something different just because you're not so attached to your very limited amount of knowledge or scope of understanding. Yeah, makes sense. I guess that there's a thing where there can be mistakes in whichever direction you go. Of course. Because you could then see it as a mistake of, well, I let them pass my guard. And it's like, well, I always let people pass my guard. I don't grit it out enough. Sure. Okay, well, that's thing too. That's a different thing, yeah. Yeah, but I suppose what I, uh, maybe what I'm taking away from this is can you look at the situation from a different perspective Yeah. and maybe see how you could develop more by taking a slightly different approach? I think we could look at this from a kind of Seinfeld George approach where Seinfeld, for those of you out there who know across Seinfeld, fuck you. I mean, get across it. <laughs> do some Googling, get educated. And Seinfeld says to George, because George is always struggling with things. He said, why don't you just do the opposite? Because George always makes really bad decisions. And then as a result, he takes Seinfeld's advice and he just says, you know, whatever you decide you're going to do, just do the opposite of whatever you think you should do. <laughs> and he starts winning. Everything starts working for him. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that it's like there, there is a value, even if it's just a thought exercise, to do something different with your jiu-jitsu so you're not getting stuck and ultimately not repeating your mistakes. It's great to learn and change and then get new mistakes because then you're developing. But the same old thing, if you keep getting armbarred, there's a problem there. Or if you keep getting swept on a particular sweep on a particular side, there's a hole in the way you're passing. So, Or if you keep eating the muesli and your gut's getting sucked the moisture out of it. 
Yeah. Try having some steak for breakfast instead. <laughs> Maybe. And an OJ. <laughs> That's it. We, we all make mistakes, but the key is to uh, learn from them and fix them up. Fam, thank you for listening. Guys, if you are looking for some help with your training, the Bulletproof program is here for you. We offer online programs, strength and mobility, and it's all designed around complementing you, the jiu-jitsu player. You want to prioritize your jiu-jitsu. You don't want to spend too long in the gym each week or in your garage or wherever it is that you do in your training. Our programs are designed for that. Strength, mobility, kettlebells, whatever you need, we have it. Go to bulletproofforbjj.com. We have a one-week free trial, so you can test it all out. We've just dropped our new standards program. The feedback has been immense. I'm enjoying the shit out of it. Get on board. Jump on there now, bulletproofforbjj.com and build a body for jiu-jitsu. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, brother. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.